Blog Talk Radio. Sunday afternoon. Happy May Day. Real quick before we jump into things, some show notes. If you're looking for some professional wrestling today, 907 Wrestling happening in Anchorage, Alaska. That's kicking off very quickly, so get out your door, get to 907. Billy Starks brand happening in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Get out there, support Billy Starks and her brand of wrestling, and then you can find myself later tonight at Pacific Northwest Blue Collar Wrestling in Portland, Oregon at the Colony. But without further ado, we are kicking off Blade Month here on the show. We're hugely excited for Blade Month, and to start things off, someone I have known for many, many years, Roger Blade. It's been an extremely long time. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, it's a pleasure. Well, for the fans that don't know this, could you start us off with what led to you jumping into this crazy business of professional wrestling? What got me into this? Well, let's see. Uh, Back in 1980-ish, I was 10 and... A friend of mine said, hey, you got to watch this show it's, uh, on Channel 3, you know, which is uh, in, it's an NBC channel here, but it's out of Louisville. And he goes, there's this guy on there. He does a super kick. And I was like, a what? And he goes, yeah, it's like a karate kick. So I started watching it, and I was kind of hooked from that point. And I said, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. So that, that, that's pretty much what got me interested. And you got into professional wrestling around the time that the territories were starting to come to an end and independent wrestling was taking over the landscape. But one of the people that I know helped you quite a bit definitely hit a lot of the territories and probably taught you that style that being Rip Rogers. Can you oh, yeah. tell us how instrumental Rip was to Roger Blade's career? Well, you know, I'd always heard horror stories about Rip. And, you know, oh, you don't want to be in a car with Rip. You know, he's, he's, he's horrible on the road. And at the time, I was living in a place called uh, Cortland, and he was living in Seymour. And we were both 
working for Mike Samples in Indianapolis for Circle City Wrestling, and he started riding with me. And I would pick his brain on the road, and he had stories to tell, and he would explain psychology and everything else along the way, you know, why, why you do certain things, why you don't do certain things, when to do it, when not to do it. You know, if, if, if they're popping for a headlock, don't do a suplex, basically was his philosophy. Um, Rick Rogers, in addition to being a well-known wrestler, he might be better known as a well-known trainer. He trained a lot of guys that went on to main event WrestleMania. That's right. You have trained some guys yourself. What did you take away from Rip Rogers that you may have incorporated into training your own students? Well, back when I was uh, started training, you know, it was finding what best suited the guys that you had. If you had a guy that was a high flyer, don't have him do all the high-flying stuff he can do in one match. Maybe one or two um, moves, but don't, don't, don't give too much. Do just enough. And now you've got guys out here that just want to go full tilt for 10 minutes and do every move they know, and they lose the crowd. Now you also, over the course of your career, have many times promoted wrestling. Uh, you just held a show fairly recently for uh, River Valley Wrestling, but you've had a few different goes at promoting. What is it about the promotional aspect that lures you back to it time and again? Well, um, you know, I, I retired in 2019 and I, I said I was done with it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a member of three churches here in North Vernon, and um, I'm on the board on one of them, and they were wanting to do a fundraiser. So, you know, I'd, I'd been doing off and on. I'd done fundraisers before. I'd, I'd, I'd done the promotion starting in 1997, and it, it was an on and off thing, Um but here, here lately, I've taken everything that I've learned from day one until I until I until that time I retired, and I, I realized the mistakes I'd made early and some of the mistakes I'd made, and I tried not to make those mistakes on this one, and this was probably one of the most successful shows I've ran. We made we made some money for the church. Everybody. Everybody got paid that worked on that show. And, I mean, I know for independent shows, that's, you know, few and far between a lot of times. But everybody did get paid, and everybody was appreciated. And the fans that were there were wrestling fans. So I think, um, you know, as far as what I've learned, it's knowing what to do and when to do it. And that, that goes from everything from in the ring to outside the ring to behind the scenes. And like I said, this, it worked and we're going to, we're going to be doing another one in July. So hopefully that formula works again. 
One of the things that I saw out of that show that made me know that you were successful was one of Indiana's most supportive pro wrestling fans, Marcus Fine, picked your show to attend that particular day out of all the choices he had. And I know uh, you've probably been on several shows where Marcus has attended, but what's it mean to you when you have people that – travel all over the region for wrestling and they pick your show to come and support. Well, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm honored whenever, whenever anybody shows up and buys a ticket to the, to one of my um, events, you know, it, it shows that I'm doing something right. So when somebody decides to pick my show, I don't know if it was because of the, what, what we were doing it for or, you know, the, who we had on the show or if it was the fact that, you know, it had been a while since I'd actually done something. I, I'm not sure exactly why he came. He did get a hold of me. You know, he asked if we could accommodate him, and I said we could accommodate him because, you know, he, he has a, um, a special chair that he sets in, and we accommodated all of that, got him his front row seats like he, you know, he wanted. Um, you know, it, it was just – it was a positive experience, and a lot of times you, you have shows where the guys go out and it's more about them. You know, what, what can I do, what can I do, instead of trying to make the, the show better. And I mean, there are guys that go out there, I know, and bust their butts, and, you know, their whole thing is to make the show better, but on the same hand, there are guys that go out and it's about them. So I try to I try to get the guys who are going to make the show a good overall good product. Very good philosophy, I think. I wish more promoters would have that. Uh, being around as long as we have been around, we have both seen every conceivable type of crowd from really big crowds down to the smallest numbers, adult crowds, families. What to this point has been the biggest crowd that you've witnessed as part of the show? Um, oh, let's see. I think the biggest one that I've ever been on was back in, oh, 1996. There was a show in Lima, Ohio, that was for the Fraternal Order of Police, and there were, it it was in a high school gym, and that place was packed from the floor all the way up to the rafters. I'm not sure exactly how many were there, but um, the the two new guys on that show were me and Nick Dinsmore, and we were the opening match. And we went out and we get we gave the people a good opening match. We went a ten minute Broadway and then they brought us back in a mixed tag. It was me and Cora Combs, who was the spider lady, against Debbie Combs and Nick. Uh, speaking of Cora Combs the Midwest where you're based out of has been 
something of a hotbed for women's wrestling over the years, and a lot of times the women don't have other women that they can wrestle on certain shows, so they do intergender matches. I know intergender matches is something of a hot button with a lot of people. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Have you done very many of the intergender matches over your career? Um, let's see. I have I had a girl that I trained um, back in the early 2000s, um, and there were times when I could not get other girls to come in. So um, we had a lot of guys that were in the ring with her. And, I mean, she was one of our tag champions. At one point, um, I think she even held one of the single titles. So, um, yeah. Um, and, you know, this, just on this recent show I had, um, uh, our junior heavyweight um, champion's opponent didn't show up, and our women's champion's opponent didn't show up. So um, they wound up working with each other. You know, it was one of those, um, you, you, have your, you have your mindset on what you want to do for the show, and generally you can count on it, but most of that show changed um, right before we went on. So, you know, you just have to be able to adapt. I also know that you've been in the ring on many occasions, and you've gone quite a while in the ring. What, at this point in time, would you say has been the longest match that you've had? Oh, man, that would probably be a match we did in Central City for Shelby Adcock back in late 1995. And I think we went a little over an hour. It was... It was a tag match. It was, let's see, Chris Champion was Yoshi Kwan at the time. He just came from WCW. And so it was Chris Champion and um, a guy from Danny Davis's school that was uh, Gary Jones. And my partner and I were both from Danny's school, too. He was, he was uh, the mercenary, and I was the Sarge. And we did a anything-goes-basically type of match. And we actually had the police called that night because we were outside. We went outside. The police got called. They showed up. It was – but, yeah, we went a little over an hour on that one. How many backdrops did you take in an hour? Um, I didn't take any in that match. However, I think the most I took in one night was in Bedford, Kentucky, and uh, same same tag partner, and we were working with the Phantoms. And I think I took nine that night. I think I'm more surprised that you didn't take any in an hour match because I've seen you take a lot of backdrops in my day. Well, uh, it just it was one of those things that it just never came up in that match. We were it, it was more of a a brawl match throughout the whole time. We were, you know, like I said, we were, we were out of the ring more than we were in the ring. So, 
um, that's probably why I didn't take any in that one. And usually when I was doing the backdrops, it was either with, uh, uh, I think Doug Basham gave me a few, but it was usually when we were in with the Phantoms that, you know, because they were just knew where to put me up in the air and I could get some height on him. So um, that was, that was pretty much my, my extent of backdrops. I mean, occasionally I'd take one from other people, but that was usually what it was. It was a, it'd be a double backdrop from them. Well, we have a game on the show we like to play. And I think you'd be a perfect candidate for this. We call it, Word association, I'll throw out the names of some people that I think you have come across in your career, and the first word or two that springs to mind is the answer. Are you ready for some word association? Sure. Here we go. First one, Cameron Starr. Cameron Starr. Man, I haven't heard that name in a while. Um, I, uh, what's, what's, the, the word. Um, she was one of the first women that I can think of to go around in Indiana. Um, so I, I, what, innovator? Billy Mattern. Heart. Billy Mattern has a lot of heart for this business. Um, he, he, he hasn't always seen eye to eye with me on everything. But he has developed into a really good wrestler, and he's a really good worker. Karn Alexander. Pretty boy. Jason Ayers. Consummate professional. Bobo Brazil Jr. Uh, a legend. I mean, he was, I, I remember watching him when I was growing up on TV and I've got to work with him. So yeah, he, he's definitely, um, a legend in Indiana. Chuck McRoberts. The guy who's got it. Drew Skills. Drew Skills. I don't think I've ever worked with Drew, so I can't really say anything about him. Thunder Kitty. Thunder Kitty. That's another one I haven't worked with. I don't. I. I, I don't think I have. I, I, the, the name's familiar, but I, I. It's somebody I haven't seen and I haven't really worked with. Gotcha. Disco Jack Frisco. Oh, um, great heel. The final name, J.T. Branham. Oh, J.T. Branham. He is an all-around hand outside the ring. I agree with you there for sure. Well, at this point, my co-host, Coach Mike Jones, is standing by, and I know Coach has questions for you, so I'm going to pass you over to Coach for a bit. All right. 
Hey, Coach Mike Jones, a coach with the most, coming at you from coast to coast, live here in Puyallup, Washington. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. I got to see your match versus Sign Guy, and my goodness, oh, uh, it looked like he looked like he was like a thorn in your side, and he almost held his own against you. I think. Well, you know, here's the thing, right? They they bring me in and. They, they needed somebody to wrestle sign guy, and I said, hey, you know what? I will do this. So, you know, my, my whole thing is, like I said before, you got to make the show good, and I knew if we had a good match and I made it believable that it looked like he could hold his own, that the people would get into it, and I think they did. Exactly. They were, and, you know, yeah, it wasn't bad. Definitely nice. All right, so, hey, who were some of your heroes growing up, whether it was uh, sports, wrestling, or ordinary life? Oh, well, you know, being from where I live in Indiana, Cincinnati Reds, you know, you had Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, Dave Concepcion, Joe Morgan, uh, Tom Seaver, uh, uh, Ray Parker, um, Ray Knight. You know, they were like the, from 75 to about 78, they were like the team in baseball. Um, yeah, definitely. Football, football, Joe Namath, you know, he was, he was the big star. Um, basketball, Larry Bird. Um, wrestling, you know, obviously, you know, I, I grew up on the Memphis wrestling because, you know, it was, they, they, they came to Louisville every week. But, you know, you're, you're looking at guys like, you know, Bill Dundee, Jerry Lawler, Dutch Mantel, Jimmy Valiant, the, the fabulous ones, the Rock and Roll Express. You know, they were, they were all there in Memphis. Um, you know, that, they were, you know, the baby faces. Then there was the, the heels. You know, you had the Moondogs, the, the Assassins, um, which, you know, that was um, not, not the original Assassins, but they were the Assassins there. They were also Fire and Flame. Um, there was uh oh who else um we we also you know i got i got being where I live, we had so many different um wrestling shows that came on on Saturdays and Sundays you know we had the the a w a we had the w w a we had memphis there was uh georgia w w f all all of those we were able to get where I was so i mean there was just so many that, and, you know, and so many different styles with all that, that you were exposed to everything. Impressive. And then uh, did you play sports in high school or growing up? Um, I played baseball when I was uh, young, but uh, I had a knee injury, and no, I just never really got back into sports. You know, like I said, I was about the time I had the knee injury is about the same time that I discovered wrestling so it was one of those things where hey you know that's what I want to do so I didn't really even think about doing anything else all right and then what's your self-defense background besides wrestling um well you know obviously I was I was in the army so um I I've got the the hand-to-hand combat that I learned in the army um karate um, Shiroru karate, uh, taekwondo, um, judo, 
a little bit of jujitsu thrown in there, which I also um, was something that we started learning in the army. So, you know, I mean, there was, that, that, you know, other than that, that's, that's pretty much it. Well, that's pretty good. That's right on. And then, uh, we got some questions from some uh, fans, and then also, before I forget, we, Sign Guy would love to know what your favorite coffee to drink is. My favorite coffee? Um, I drink a lot of uh, the Monster Energy coffees. Uh, generally, it is the Irish blend. Okay, all right. Okay, now we got one from one of our longtime uh, people who email us, his name's Kurt Ferris. I guess we've okay. got a couple of them here. One of them, he would like to know if any of the guys called Blade have bladed. Have what? Oh, the... It, uh, it, yeah, any of you Bladeses have bladed. Yes, I have. I figured, yeah. I, I've bladed and I've hard blade. I've got a nice oh. little three-inch scar on the top of my head from a chair shot. So. Okay, and here's another one from Kurt Ferris. Who would win in a tag match between Roger Blade and Brett Michaels versus Brad Lehman and Chad Kruger? <laughs> I mean, they give some oh, abstract that, that's real questions. Simple. That, that would be uh, me and me and Brett Michaels. Because, exactly. You know, Brett, Brad Lehman is a big Poison fan, almost as big a fan as I am, so I don't think he would uh Go, go and do anything to Brett. Yeah, he would turn on uh, uh, Chad Kroger for sure. I, I think he would. <laughs> now, my wife, she, uh, she she would probably be in Chad Kroger's corner because she's, okay. she's a Nickelback fan. Okay. So, you know. And then here's one that might be a little controversial, but they tell me to send them out there anyway. This was from a guy named Mark Ayers, I think his name is. Okay. He wants to know, whatever happened to Patch? Whatever happened to Patch? You know, I have no idea. I haven't seen okay. Patch in years. What's your opinion on him? <sighs> he was a loose cannon. Um, okay. Okay. When, when, when he first came in, he, you know, when I started training him, he listened, and he would go out and do what he was told, but then he would take stuff too literal. Um, there, was, there was a time in Columbus when I told him, I said, when the show's over, go ahead and start tearing the ring down. And I said, if they're still talking or whatever, don't worry about it. Well, there was still stuff going on, and he goes up and starts taking the ring down. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, it, it, it was it was a big mess, and him and Dice Man about got into it, and it, it was it was it was bad. And that is definitely not a good idea to get into it with Dice Man. No, that is very stupid. <laughs> okay, so hey, what were some of the most memorable matches you've seen or been in, or both? Um, my first big match per se was uh against Sabu up at uh, Circle City Wrestling um, back in, what was that, 90, either late 95 or early 96. Um, he, was, he was in a program with Flash Flanagan, and they wanted a match for TV that 
got, got over a lot of the stuff he could do, and he'd been doing squash matches up till that. I think we went about 15, 20 minutes, and he did just about every move he he uh, could do to me. Wow, impressive. And then what about the the most memorable matches you've seen? Oh, let's see. Well, obviously, when I was younger, uh, Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania three. Um, Hogan and Mr. T against Piper, or yeah, uh, Piper and Orndorff at WrestleMania. Um, Savage and Steamboat at WrestleMania three. Um, and there was, uh, you know, and I mean that's that's just the WWE stuff. Um, the Starcade '83 match with uh, Flair and Race, I, rem- I still remember that one. Um, Lawler and uh, Mantel. Nice. Um, Lawler and Mantel right. did a uh, did, well. It was a barbed wire match um, where they had the barbed wire off the ropes. And that was like, you know, another one of those first ones that I ever saw. Okay, awesome. And then who are some of your favorite people to work? Oh, man, let's see. Uh, Lonnie Lee. Um, Eric Draven. Uh, used to like work Brad Lehman. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, he's he's been out for a long time. Um Let's see. Who else are some other ones I really like? Uh, I liked working Bobby Eaton. Um, I, I worked him once. It, 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 that was that was a cake match. Um, didn't really have to do a whole lot of anything. Uh, Dutch. Uh, I liked working him. I liked working with Ricky Morton, um, Jimmy Valiant. Um, uh, let's see. Who else is... Um, I actually, um, my my son is actually starting to get into it um, a lot more, and he's a he's a manager down in uh, Supreme Wrestling, and I I've I've had a few matches with him over the past few, or well, before I retired, and now I just had one with him on this show last uh, on the the, the fire uh, fire department show, the uh, the church fundraiser. Yeah, and you know, sign guys, he's definitely scared of firemen. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I I really liked working sign guy too. Okay, nice. And what a blessing. And you know, for the we're over here in the Northwest. When you say Dutch, maybe you should clarify because over here Not we only Dutch think savage, of Dutch Savage, Dutch Mantel. That's what I was gonna say. We only think of Dutch Savage. So who was it? It was Dutch Mantel. Oh, Mantel. The dirty, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dirty Dutch Which, Mantel. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Dutch Mantel is probably more worldwide famous than Dutch Savage, yes. Okay, cool. All right, and then who's some of your toughest opponents you faced? Oh, Vic the Bruiser, um, Texas Outlaw. Um, let's see. Uh, there was a guy, I think he was in ECW at one point, and he worked at, he, he was another one that was in Indy, uh, Judge Dredd. I think was his name. Wore all kinds of spikes right. in the ring and everything. I, th- I think that was his name was Judge Dredd. Um, you know, obviously Sabu. Um, 
trailer park trash. Um, Vito Andretti and Jack Black when they were doing the uh, Fat and the Furious. Um, uh, when he was doing with the Hillbillies with uh, Jebediah Blackhawk, uh, Otter and Blackhawk. Um, All right, sweet, man. You've had an impressive career. What an honor. And then, so what suggestions do you have for people who would like to get into wrestling? Don't. That's what the last uh, Brad Bad said when we had him on Friday. But but other than don't. <laughs> um, okay, other than don't, I would say keep your mouth shut and listen. These guys that are breaking in, um, I, when I when I when I train people, my first the first day or two, I try to get them to quit because I okay you know I mean it goes to the point where if everybody can be a wrestler, why do you want to be a wrestler? Yeah, yeah. You know, if if you know you're one of the one of these guys that you actually you know you get punched and you go cry about it, why are you there? If you can't take a punch, if you can't take a hit, you know, if you, if, you know, you get hurt, you know, are, are you going to, you know, be out forever because you broke your finger or are you just going to tape it up and keep going? You know, that, that yeah. that's what I look for is the people that, you know, you, know, you get hurt, but you, you, you keep pushing on. You, you, you push through it to show that you have what it takes. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, I, I heard what you said earlier about guys who don't want to help out and, you know, just show up and wrestle. I mean, in the Northwest, it's been amazing. Most of the guys here just want to show up and wrestle. They don't want to help out at all. They don't want to tell anybody. They won't even tell their friends because they're too busy looking at themselves in the mirror and, and just being selfish rather than trying to help you promote, help you set up, help you tear down. They don't do promos. They don't do anything. They don't accept the invite and share it. They just want to show up and wrestle. Well, we come up with a new program. Yeah. Well, for one, we don't want to work with anybody who doesn't want to help out, okay? But regardless, we come up with a a new program that we have a base, base salary for them, and then you can get bonuses if you share, like, and, and uh, accept the invite. If you make promos, if you help set up and tear down, you get bonuses for all those. If you want to just show well, up and wrestle, great. you're, you're going to get paid just to show up and wrestle. That's it. Huh. Let alone, we're going we're gonna to weed your butt out because we're going to know that you just showed up and wrestled last time once again. We don't want right. you. There's a hundred guys who want to just show up and wrestle. We want the guys who want to be part of the exactly. show and make it grow. Exactly. And then, uh, what schools would you suggest for people? Um, well, obviously, you know, OVW is like you know, it's one of the top ones in the country. Um, if you're in this area, uh, I would say go to Eric Draven at Supreme Wrestling. If you're up around Indianapolis, go see uh, Joey Owens at WCWO. Um, 
th- th- those would be the two that I would mention right off, you know, the top of my head. Okay. And then uh, we got like 25 minutes on the live show, but I know that sign guy needs to get going. He's got to travel like over three hours to get down there to Portland to do his gig today. But regardless of that, we're still got some time. I okay. want to say thank you. Thank you for being on the show. It's an honor and a privilege. And uh, I wish you all the luck in the world. And then, you know, we've done over 1,700 shows now, and we're proud to have you on there. And well, so I want to give my – to be, uh, to be asked. All right. I want to give my plugs real quick before I give you back to Sign Guy. So okay. they can reach me at Coach Mike Jones, the coach with the most. I'm also at Coach Mike Jones on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, don't forget to check out the Real School Army, the greatest faction in the world, and the NGW Green Room, which we have hundreds of videos of interviews of wrestlers from all over the world. Also, I'm currently been honored and blessed to do the Seattle Mariners organizational report that I just did episode 21 today. And I know you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, and me and Sign Guy have also started the Cincinnati Reds report, organizational report, which we did episode two yesterday and looking to do episode three later this week. And also, I want to shout out to one of the best sponsors in the Northwest. If anyone needs a car in the Washington area, you can head down there to Auburn to SNS Best Auto and tell them Wild Lyle and Coach Mike Jones sent you. Thanks again, brother. Take it easy. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Well, Roger, one of the things that all wrestlers need if they're going to be serious about their sport is wrestling boots. A lot of people in recent years have been wearing tennis shoes or they wear amateur shoes, but for the people that are serious and they want to look the part and they want to have boots, where would you send someone getting started to purchase wrestling boots? Um, honestly, when I bought mine, um, I bought them through, what was it, uh, J&M Custom Boots. And, you know, I, I've had a couple of pair of boots since then, but it was, um, I was looking for boots, and somebody would have a pair for sale that were practically new. They just didn't like them, and I would buy them off of them. So um, I'm not really sure who makes boots right now. Um so I, I I really couldn't say. Fair enough. So, youngsters, be on the lookout in the dressing room. See if anyone's selling boots. Yeah. Now, as far as shooter shoes goes, if you are, if your gimmick is an amateur wrestler, then that is what you should be wearing. If it isn't, don't wear it. If you are a skateboarder or something like that, or you have like you know the one gimmick that should be wearing tennis shoes, wear the tennis shoes. If you aren't, don't wear them. If you are the one guy who is, uh, you know, doing the MMA gimmick and kick pads are your thing, then, yeah, you should be wearing them. If you're not, then you shouldn't. You know, get boots, get gear, look like a wrestler. Don't look like the guy that um, came in off the street. For sure. Speaking of gear, if somebody's breaking in right now and they need 
some wrestling gear, who would be some of the options you would recommend for that? Um, Baron Von Kane. He's one. I know he he does. They do a lot of custom gear. Um, Billy Jed, Donnie Simpson. He, uh, I think they they were uh, making gear the last I knew. Um, Rob Conway. I think he was making gear at one point. I'm not sure if he still is or not. Because you know, like I said, I've been I've been out of the loop for a few years, and I'm just starting to get back into it. One of the things about pro wrestling right now in the era that we're in is there is perhaps more wrestling available to watch than ever before thanks to streaming services and YouTube and traditional television. There's a lot of choices out there for people that may not be able to attend events or they may not be able to attend their favorite promotion because their favorite promotion is on the other end of the country or whatever. But through technology, you can follow just about any promotion through televised means. How important do you think it is for wrestlers and referees and managers, everyone involved, to learn television style versus just traditional house show matches where it doesn't really matter as far as blocking and pacing and that type of thing? Well, I mean, if you have a hard camera, you know, regardless of where you're at, if you're um, on an indie show and it's not going on TV, but let's say they're making a, a DVD or, you know, they're, they're going to have it on, you know, put it on uh, social media, you know, like YouTube, whatever, um, work the hard camera. If you have a, a guy walking around the ring with a mobile camera, work that, you know, um, work the crowd also, but work the crowd where the camera is. Well, we have a second game that we play here. I think you'd also be perfect for this. We call it Bring On to Choice, Bring On to Funk. I'll give you a series okay. of two options, and your own personal preference is the answer. Okay. No right or wrong answers on this. Would you be down for some Bring On to Choice, Bring On to Funk? Sure. Here we go. Hip toss or arm drag? Arm bag. Trunks or singlet? Uh, for me personally, singlet. Steel cage match or no ropes barbed wire match? <laughs> oh, you were breaking up. Can you say that one more time? There you are. I, I didn't. I, um, I said uh, steel cage. Okay. Water or Gatorade? Water. Marvel or DC? DC. Nike or Adidas? Adidas. Pinfall or submission? Pinfall. AEW or Impact? Um, neither. Danny Davis or Al Snow? Danny Davis. All right. That concludes that particular game. 
Oh. Hey, sign guy. Speaking of, I'll go ahead. Uh, can you? I'm sure he knows the Danny Davis story, but can you tell him the one that you keep telling me? Oh, yeah, the one where Danny Davis looked like he was going to Betty by there at the ticket counter. Second, someone takes one step past his counter. He was wide awake snatching the money out their hand. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that one, Roger? No, I haven't heard that one. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I experienced it a couple of times. I thought he'd gone to Betty by just sitting there at the ticket counter. He was awake enough to know if he got the money from you or not. Yeah. Now, speaking of Danny Davis, obviously there in Louisville, we have the Danny Davis Arena, which is home of OVW. And it's a fairly nice facility for professional wrestling. We've both been to countless venues of various descriptions what would you say has been the nicest one where you've wrestled? The nicest place, uh, Louisville Gardens. Nice choice. Yeah, hopefully they salvage that. I know it's kind of a storage facility these days. Yeah, but I, they did. Somebody did say that the old ring is still there. I've heard that as well. Yeah, it's in storage, but it's there. Yeah, if somebody could get their hands on that, that would be a nice little piece of history. Absolutely. Now, speaking of rings, I know at one point you also uh, did ring rentals, and I know you've been in Mm -hmm. countless rings. What would you say has been the best physical ring where you've got to wrestle? Um, probably the one that I had, it, it was just, it was a sweet bump. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, granted it was only a 16 foot ring, but you know, the, the bump in that thing was great. Um, I've been in some 18 foot rings that were pretty good. Um, Basher has one up in Indy. Well, um, not Basher, um, uh, WCWO. Um, but yeah, um, I, yeah, I would say the best one was that that one I got. Um, I bought that one from Danny Davis, and it was it was a good ring. Well, we have one more game on the show that we play, and I think you might be a candidate for this. And there is a sound clip to start it, so let me hit this. I tell you one of the, one of my favorite moments is uh, me and my little brother and Jerry Wilson. We went down to TNA in Nashville. And we got in there, and I just happened to be in the bathroom using the bathroom, and I I, I was talking uh, to Chase Stevens, which I'd known him when he first started wrestling there as Glacius, you know, I helped him get a start, and I was talking to him, and all of a sudden this voice, it, what it does, it, it comes out of the shitter. I'm sure you have run across Ox Harley at some point at some time. Yes. you have a favorite Ox Harley moment? Um... Well, when uh, Jerry and I had a falling out, like, way back, and I, I started uh, back with him, and uh, he had me in there with doing a uh, little program with Ox, and we had fun. At least I, I think we did. Um, so, 
Yeah, um, but yeah, that was probably back in what two thousand five, two thousand six. That sounds about right. Yeah. Now, at that era, Ox was coming off the IWA Mid South era. He helped create where. All of the guys that went on to become legendary were kind of conjugated there, and they were working with Ox, and Ox Harley at that point could do pretty much any move you could think of. He would often defy the laws of physics to do it, but he would do it. What was the craziest thing you ever saw Ox pull off in a ring? Um I think, I, if I remember right, he did a dive over the top rope, which kind of surprised me. I can definitely see that. That's one of those defying the laws of physics things that he would do. You mentioned your son getting his start as a manager, and in the Midwest, I've noticed over the last, few years there are a lot of second and third generation people in pro wrestling right now uh, Baron Von Kane's son refereed you have Sean Kemp IK3 Bobo Brazil Jr uh, you have Dick the Bruiser's son was a wrestler his son-in-law Scott Romer still around his son-in-law yep. Dick the Bruiser Jr there's just been, always been so many multi-generational families in wrestling. What do you think it is about that area in wrestling where we see so many of them compared to other parts of the country? Well, um, this was a pretty much back in the 70s, 80s. This, this area here was, like I said, you know, we, especially around where I live, we had access to a bunch of different um, shows and there was now you know not everybody that says they're related to somebody is actually related to them and you know we you know that's you know that's that's the nature of the business but um, I think it's just because of the the area itself and you know the amount of people that actually you know lived in this area um, you know you got uh. Bobby Heenan was actually from Indiana, if I remember right. Um, Guy Mitchell. Uh, who else? Dick the Bruiser. You know, I mean, he he lived in Indianapolis. He had a bar there. Um, you got, you know, um, the guys from down that were, worked in Memphis that, you know, a lot of them were from the Midwest. So I think that would probably be why it's just the fact of there, there was a bunch of people from the Midwest in wrestling. I, I could see that for sure. Well, we are down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure you have plenty of time, so if there's anything you want to say, plug or promote, social media, merchandise, shows, your favorite seafood restaurant, anything at all, the floor is all yours. Hey, well, you know, um, here, here the past few years, I've, I've uh, 
got back into church right now. I'm um, like I said, you know, I do fundraisers for churches. We got one coming up in July. Um, it is uh, grappling for God, the rise before the revelation, um, and it's for the straight. State Street Community Worship Center here in North Vernon. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's a food ministry. There is a clothes 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 ministry. Um, there's you know uh, two churches uh, right now that actually run out of this building. Um, it, it's just a, a lot of um, a, a lot of charity comes out of here all right anything else you want to put out there um you know just like i said you know the 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 new guys that are coming in um pay your dues help set the ring up help tear down get there early listen do what do what you're told to do um you know it's it's not about you it's about the the entire the entire event um the more, just like everything, the more teamwork you can have in anything, the the better off the end product will be. I agree with you there for sure. Well, Roger, it was a pleasure having you on the show again. We definitely appreciate you taking time to be with us. I want to wish you very well on the next show, and hopefully I'll make it down there at some point and be able to see you live in a person once again and as always I would step into the ring with you anytime well I I appreciate that and I, it was an honor for me to be on the show how did they get a hold of you oh how did they get a hold of me um, I am Roger um, Facebook Roger Blade um, is the name or you can find uh, River Valley Wrestling Either one. Both are on Facebook. Thanks again, brother. Hey, thank you. All right, Roger. Pleasure was ours. Thank you again for kicking off Blade Month. Definitely appreciate that. Fans, get out there, support all the local independent wrestling. River Valley, a good show. Mark is fine. Wouldn't go to a bad one, so make sure you support them when they come back in July. And Anywhere you have some pro wrestling near you, get out there and support the independents. And you can find me later today at the Colony 7525 Richmond in Portland, Oregon. So get out there, support us. Final of the best of seven series between our very own J.B. Moonshine and pretty boy Troy Prescott is tonight in an Ironman match. So you definitely don't want to miss that. We will be back with you. Mother's Day with the next Blade in the series, Brian Blade. And before that, on Wednesday, a Buddhist special, May the 4th. We have May the 4th be with you as sports entertainers salute Star Wars. We'll have some people from the sports entertainment community discussing Star Wars and the intertwining of the two worlds. And then Friday afternoon, Manager extraordinaire Phil Good makes his way to the show. First time, surprisingly enough, for Phil to be here. But we will have him, and we'll continue with Blade Month 
next week. So everybody stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.